Hi everyone, uh, this is Mark and this is the Mark Hastings Experience and uh, in this podcast uh, I'm going to be talking about everything from poetry to films to uh, TV shows to books and about uh, anything and everything that inspires me and uh, I hope you like what you hear. Hi everyone, this is Mark, and welcome to the episode of the Mark Hastings Experience. And in this episode, um, I'm going to be talking about uh, one of my favourite films, and it's also the sixth uh, feature film uh, based within the uh, Star Trek um, film franchise of films. Um, And it's also the final film to star all of the... uh, original series cast members all together in the same film uh, project uh, including William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, DeForest Kelly, James Doohan, George Takei, Walter Koenig uh, and Michelle Nichols and um, of course the film that I'm talking about is Star Trek VI The Undiscovered Country uh, widely considered uh, one of the, the best Star Trek films um, and there used to be uh, a theory that the even-numbered Star Trek films uh, were um, uh, better regarded than the odd-numbered films um, for some reason. Uh, and because a lot of people consider uh, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, um, a superior film in the franchise and also... Uh, Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home, and this film, Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country. But there is no that that's just um, uh, that's just a coincidence, I think, because the other films, the so-called odd-numbered films within the within the Star Trek um, feature film uh, franchise, uh, are just as good. Uh, but some films are. Um, are just more um, just hit the mark better. The stories are better. They're, they've had more time to be developed. Um, but yes, yeah, so Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country is uh, and was a seminal film in the in the uh, in the franchise. Um, so as I said, it's the last film, and it's also a film that um, reflects back on the history of um, Star Trek uh, going back to the 1960s and it also um, is a reflective piece for the the characters and the crew of the USS Enterprise as they have to um, consider their their own um, biases um, as does the galaxy, and this all comes as um, as a result uh, of there being um, a explosion, um, because the film literally begins with a bang um, after the incredible um, music uh, by uh, Cliff uh, Eidelman. Um, we see the destruction of a Klingon moon by the name of Praxis and this Klingon moon uh, was a moon that was in orbit of the Klingon homeworld of Kronos Um, and when it exploded um, it caused uh, um, a massive subspace shockwave uh, that sent uh, reverberations throughout the space-time continuum, and um, it also caused a um, a deadly um, cloud of pollution to descend upon uh, Kronos, and this occurred because of um, uh, overmining and insufficient safety precautions uh, on the moon of Praxis, um, and it is. Uh, this was uh, this event, 
this catastrophe was witnessed by Captain Hikaru Sulu, uh, who was played by George Takei, who was previously um, the uh, the helmsman of the USS Enterprise, but who has now taken on his own command. And we discover that he has spent the last three years uh, cataloging uh, gaseous anomalies in the Beta Quadrant of the galaxy, and they're on their way um, back to Federation territory uh, when they um, encounter and they feel the, the shockwave um, that is generated by the destruction of Praxis. And um, they witness it. Um, they uh, also receive a transmission from the Klingon home world telling them to um, uh, stick to treaty stipulations to stay on the Federation side of the neutral zone that um, exists between the Klingon Empire and the United Federation of Planets. Um, uh, however, this event, the um, because uh, they uh, had a first-hand account of it, they reported it straight to to Starfleet. And as a consequence of this explosion, um, Starfleet Command um, gathers together uh, some of its top brass including um, Captain James T. Kirk um, to sit down and discuss the uh, the tragedy that had befallen uh, three months before uh, and that was of course uh, the destruction of uh, of Praxis and as a result of the destruction of Praxis it is believed that and it is reported that the Klingon Empire only has 50 years of life left in it um, because um, Praxis was a uh, was a um, very important energy um, uh, refining uh, facility it's where they generated a lot of their their energy for their um, for the Empire but uh, because of the close proximity to Kronos, uh, the planet's atmosphere, um, uh, the oxygen in the planet's atmosphere, it is believed will be completely de depleted within 50 Earth years. So, as a result of this, the Klingon Empire has um, reached out to the United Federation of Planets to pursue a course of peace. And, of course, um, since the, the Klingons and the United Federation of Planets have been at war uh, for many decades, um, this is an opportunity that um, they cannot uh, see slip away and they cannot squander. And this opportunity is um, taken and pursued um, by uh, Captain Spock, uh, played by Leonard Nimoy. Uh, at the uh, behest of his father, the Vulcan ambassador, uh, Sarek, who's played by Mark Leonard. Um, because the, the Klingons and the Federation um, uh, have been mortal enemies. They have been um, at each other's throats, and we, we saw the, the conflicts that they have in, uh, engaged in in um, the original Star Trek TV series. Um, and also in um, several um, renegade Klingon skirmishes, um, including in um, Star Trek uh, uh, Three: um, The Search for Spock, and also in uh, Star Trek Five: uh, The Final Frontier. But they are they are en they are uh, mortal enemies of one another. So this, the explosion of Praxis, is an opportunity for them to come together. For a common goal, uh, and that common goal, of course, is to to save the Klingon Empire. But um, because there has been so much hostility between these two powers, these two um, uh, superpowers of the uh, of the galaxy, some people 
um, don't want things to change. They don't seek peace. Um, they would rather the Klingon Empire die. Um, and one of those um, people, unfortunately, is Captain James T. Kirk. And he opposes this... Uh, um, this pursuance of peace, uh, mainly because it was the Klingons who were responsible for the death of his son, David, in uh, Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. And he holds an, a very powerful grudge against them, and he, as he uh, um, says in one of his captain's log, captain's logs, we, uh, we hear him say, I've never trusted Klingons, and I never will. I can never forgive them for the death of my boy. Uh, however, Captain Spark has uh, personally um, volunteered Captain Kirk and the crew of the Enterprise to be um, the uh, the linchpin, the the first um, um, envoy of peace to the Klingons um, and he has uh, volunteered that the Enterprise will go and meet the Klingon Chancellor Gorkin and escort him to negotiations on Earth um, and this causes a great deal of tension between Captain Kirk and uh, Spock because um, as Kirk uh, deems Spock's actions it's a uh, arrogant presumption that Kirk would be uh, okay with this however um, Captain Kirk and, and the crew of the Enterprise uh, board the Enterprise and they, they go and they meet up with uh, Chancellor Gorkin and they are joined on their um, on this mission by the Vulcan Valeris, who's played by Kim Cattrall. And she's the Enterprise's new helmsman, and also the first Vulcan to graduate at the top of her class at Starfleet Academy. And she's also seen as the protege of Captain Spock, uh, who he intends to uh, replace her. Um, he intends her to replace him. Um, and, uh, yeah, so she, she essentially is one of the, the new, the new, the next generation, pardon the pun, of, uh, of crew members, because three months on from, um, this mission, the, uh, the Enterprise is to be decommissioned, as is the crew, and, uh, they are to go into, uh, retirement. Um, and some uh, are looking forward to this um, uh, uh, Scotty uh, has bought a boat um, and they're, they're looking forward to they were looking forward to just uh, retirement and to uh, being decommissioned um, but because uh, Spock has um, has uh, volunteered the 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 crew uh, they have to go on to this assignment um, and when they um, finally meet up with Chancellor Gorkin uh, uh, the the leader of the, the Klingon Empire uh, who's played by David Warner uh, and who hopes to really does hope to forge a, a peace between his people and the Federation um, there is an uh, almost palpable tension between them, especially between um, Captain Kirk and the Klingons, um, uh, including um, the one-eyed Klingon general, Chang, uh, who's played by the late great uh, Christopher Plummer, uh, who serves as uh, Chancellor Gorkin's chief of staff. And um, he is among those Klingons who um, are not um, are 
uneasy about this piece because they are warriors. He is a warrior. He he when he looks at Kirk, he sees Kirk as a fellow warrior. Um, two warriors on opposite sides of a of a war. So any talk of peace is something that he is deaf to. Um, but um, Captain Kirk and his senior staff um, have arranged a uh, a meal for themselves and uh, the Klingon attaché that come aboard. Um, and they sit down and uh, it is at this uh, dinner they talk about um, everything from uh, um, war peace to Shakespeare um, which uh, uh, Chancellor Gorkin uh, hilariously uh, uh, remarks that you haven't heard uh, Shakespeare until you've heard him in the original Klingon and um, uh, as a result of this uh, General Chang sprouts in Klingon uh, one of the most famous phrases from um, one of Shakespeare's plays and he goes Tach bach, tach beh, meaning to be or not to be um, and of course that is the question what is going to happen next um, uh, and this is what the, the film's about it's about it's a, at a turning point, it's a crossroads between the Federation, the, the affairs of the Federation and the Klingon Empire because Starfleet, um, even though they are um, an exploratory armada that uh, do uh, that of, of their mission is to seek out new worlds and explore um, brand new civilizations, they are also a military armada of starships heavily armored and mainly because of um tensions and the war that they're engaged in with um the klingons which is more of a a hot war um even though there are other wars that uh, with other adversaries throughout the, the galaxy such as the romulans which engage more in a cold war uh mentality where they um they they do things more um, surreptitiously. They do things um, out of the out of sight. Um, whereas the Klingons, they're more uh, antagonistic, more aggressive. Um, but it's the 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 an analogy of the Klingon Empire and the Federation is that of the um, the United States of America um, and the Russian. Uh, the USSR as it was at the time that the film um, was made and it, the, the analogy um, and the inspiration for the film came from um, apparently Lennon Nimoy's suggestion um, about a story of if the war came down in space uh, which of course touched upon the contemporary events of the Cold War when um, the uh, USSR um, collapsed um, um, alongside the uh, the the knocking down of the Berlin Wall, uh, which was a concrete barrier that physically divided Berlin from 1961 to 1989, um, and uh, it cut off West Berlin and East Berlin. Um, and it was the fall of the Berlin Wall that um, physically was a physical um, symbol of the so-called Iron Curtain that separated um, the west of Europe from the Eastern Bloc. Um, and when the Berlin Wall came down, it was seen as if there was a a, a moment of um, a reconciliation. And of course, German reunification, um, and this took place uh, on the third of October, nineteen ninety. And um, since then, um, but um, this, the country of uh, of Germany, 
and Europe is uh, mostly whole um, in comparison to how it was uh, previously during the so-called Cold War. So this is that is the analogy of this film and the the wall between these two powers um, is the the neutral zone. This new, this zone this strip of space between the Klingon Empire and the Federation and the disintegration of that neutral zone means that the two powers are no longer at war with one another uh, but as I said um, uh, people on both sides uh, in the Federation and in the Klingon Empire are hesitant to to see the end of um, this bitter conflict between them because they they are so comfortable in how things have been that they don't want things to end even though um, the Klingon Empire is in disarray because their homeworld is essentially uh, toxic and um, its people cannot last for um, for much longer they only have 50 years left um, but um, and this is and this is what leads to um, the disastrous uh, um, attack uh, on uh, Chancellor Gorkon's life when uh, seemingly the Klingon battlecruiser that he is aboard is attacked uh, and fired upon with photon torpedoes that seemingly originated from the Enterprise, um, but they they didn't. I mean, it, 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 that's the way it seems. That's the way it appears on the view screen uh, when uh, Captain Kirk is ordered to the always he's asked to report to the bridge because they. The sensors of the of the ship have detected a uh, a neutron surge that they can't um, identify the the source of, and this is this all happened after the meal uh, that um, the Enterprise senior staff and Chancellor Gorkon and the the Klingon um, attaché um, uh, enjoyed, uh, in which. Um, Chancellor Gorkon describes the future as the undiscovered country. Uh, these are all lines and um, um, ideas taken from uh, Shakespeare's plays. And in fact, this film is very dramatic, very Shakespearean in its portrayal um, uh, of uh, the, of the characters. Uh, so yeah, Kirk witnesses this attack that seemingly is coming from the Enterprise. Um, and not long after, um, the gravity is knocked out on the Klingon battlecruiser, and two um, Starfleet personnel beam aboard the Klingon Empire, wearing um, space suits and gravity boots, and um, they kill uh, a great number of the Klingon crew. They... Uh, um, mortally wound Chancellor Gorkon um, and then they escape and um, then after gravity is restored um, the Klingons um, turn around uh, their vessel and look to uh, be about to attack the Enterprise and this is when Kirk decides to surrender uh, so as to avoid an armed conflict between the two because of the the peace that is was supposed to uh, begin with these two vessels um, and then Kirk decides to beam over to the Klingon ship uh, with uh, Dr. McCoy uh, played by DeForest Kelly um, in an attempt to save Chancellor Gorkon's life um, but before they leave, um, uh, Spock uh, puts a Viridian patch on um, Captain Kirk's um, 
left shoulder uh, to make it easier for the Enterprise to track him if anything uh, untoward was to happen or if they were to be taken into custody uh, as a result of the attack on the Klingons which the Klingons um, believe came from the Enterprise because there was no other ships in the area, seemingly. So Kirk and uh, McCoy go aboard the Klingon ship. They McCoy tries to save um, Chancellor Gorkon, but he's unfamiliar with Klingon uh, physiology. Um, but he tries his best. But unfortunately, Chancellor Gorkon succumbs to his wounds. Um, however, um, not before he um, pulls Captain Kirk to him and he urges him to not let it end this way. Um, but because there has been this attack on um, Chancellor Gorkon's life, um, Captain Kirk and uh, Dr. McCoy are arrested and um, for the assassination of Chancellor Gorkon and they are to uh, they are to be found guilty and put on trial and then sentenced um, as a result. And of course this is a shock to everybody, to Starfleet, to the Federation, to the crew of the Enterprise. Um, and it's all they're also um, confused because uh, when they go through the computer data banks, it um, from the view screen it looked like the Enterprise launched um, photon torpedoes at the Klingon battlecruiser, but according to the database, they still have um, their full complement of photon torpedoes, even though the database says that they were fired, but they are still present, which is an inconsistency. And this leads. Um, this is what leads Captain Spock, who takes command of the Enterprise um, after Captain Kirk is uh, arrested by the Klingons. And this is what leads him to engage in an investigation uh, into finding out what happened. Did the Enterprise fire? If they did fire torpedoes, why are the torpedoes now... Um, why are they still present in the arsenal of the Enterprise? Um, and this is what uh, leads him to to look for the the perpetrators. Who was it? If if people with in Starfleet spacesuits beamed over to the battle the Klingon battlecruiser and assassinated the Chancellor, as was reported by General Chang, um, then whoever responsible must be here and whoever altered the databanks must be here um, however uh, while his investigation and the investigation of the crew of the Enterprise is going on um, Captain Kirk and Dr. McCoy are taken before a Klingon trial where they are questioned by um, General Chang, uh, they are defended by um, um, General Worf, uh, who um, is the uh, ancestor of um, Lieutenant Worf, uh, who would appear in the TV series Star Trek The Next Generation, and who's also played by the same actor who plays Lieutenant uh, Worf, uh, Michael Dorn. Uh, so that's a great callback. And, of course, at the time when Star Trek The Undiscovered Country was being made uh, in 1990, 1991, Star Trek The Next Generation had already been on for three years by this point. It was already in its third season, and Lieutenant Worf was um, a part of that um, a part of that show, part of the, the, the crew aboard the, the USS Enterprise D. Um, so it's a great great uh, note there great um, connection however um, General Worf can't uh, he is unable to defend Captain Kirk and Dr. McCoy um, enough um, and uh, Captain Kirk and 
Dr. McCoy are found guilty and are sentenced to life imprisonment on the frozen planetoid of Rurapente, which uh, has the um, has the nickname of being called the Aliens Graveyard because it is basically just a frozen planet where no one can live on the surface and where prisoners are sent um, to mine underneath the surface uh, for the Klingons. Um, and following the assassination of um, Chancellor Gorkon, uh, Chancellor Gorkon's daughter, Azed Burr, uh, has taken over as the Chancellor of the of the Klingon Empire, and um, and she, even though she is advised by uh, her advisors uh, to 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 not continue to pursue this the path of peace um Azibur says that she is going to continue diplomatic negotiations between the Klingon Empire and the Federation um she wants to continue the the dream of her father um because it was her father's uh, dying wish um however for the sake of security um she communicates to the Federation president that they want to keep the location of the the uh, peace uh, negotiations a secret for now. Um, um, and uh, this and but the the the, the Enterprise crew um, are in, still investigating what exactly happened. Um, and um, they have to find out who's responsible, um, because uh, what needs this, the, all the information needs to be um, needs to be gathered, um, so that um, Kirk and and um, McCoy can be proven, their innocent can, innocence can be proven, um, and. But the Federation, that's why the Federation president doesn't um, doesn't try to save um, Kirk and and McCoy uh, because he says to to do that would um, put any uh, possibility of um, of peace uh, in jeopardy and it may uh, risk a full scale war um, and. Um, this is what leads them to leave uh, Captain Kirk and uh, Dr. McCoy to become prisoners on uh, Rurapente, which they arrive on um, and uh, almost um, immediately they are befriended by a shapeshifter by the name of uh, Martia, who is played by Iman. And... Um, they, I should say they, even though she appears as a as a, a woman, she is an alien who can uh, change her form into appearing um, as um, as anything or anyone from a, a male to a young uh, girl, uh, an adult male or a young young girl. Um, but she's very complicated. She uh, uh, has these yellow eyes. Uh, but she's a very, um, very memorable character, um, and she knows who they are because they are famous. Doctor McCoy and um, Captain Kirk—they're famous because of they, their, the supposed assassination attempt, and their their killing of the Chancellor. And she offers them an escape route, um, and she says they she can get them. Out of the shield that surrounds the 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 prison of Rurapente, but after that, she needs the help of Captain Kirk to get them off the planet. And she asks them if that is possible, and he says, "Oh, it's possible." But in reality, this is all a ruse uh, to make uh, their attempt uh, um, seem like. Uh, and their their death 
uh, as a result seem like an accident. So it's all been planned. There is a ruse, there is a conspiracy going on that began um, even before the Chancellor, the Klingon Chancellor, was assassinated. And these are all steps that are being taken. Um, so they 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 get out of the, the shield surrounding Repente with the help of uh, Martia. Uh, and uh, she changes into a, a larger male alien and uh, um, then I say young girl but they uh, she and Captain Kirk and McCoy do finally make it out of the prison and they have to walk the frozen wastelands of the planet um, and when it is realised uh, that they are outside of the uh, protective um, um, shield that um, stops any kind of uh, beaming or transportation from the surface. Captain Kirk, um, Captain Spock, uh, excuse me, realizes this uh, because, uh, as I said, he had put a viridian patch on Captain Kirk's uh, left shoulder, and um, they can scan this uh, many sectors away. So as soon as this is detected, as soon as it is, it is realised that Captain Kirk is uh, now able to be transported, the Enterprise um, um, makes their way to uh, Rurapente to try and retrieve um, Captain Kirk and Dr. McCoy. Um, and But while he is in prison, Captain Kirk... Um, um, thinks about um, his own opinions about uh, the Klingons and about uh, how he sees them based on um, those that he has met, um, the individual Klingons he has met. And of course, they are individuals are not a representation of an entire race. Um, and something else that he he thinks about is that at, when at his trial. Um, at his trial before the Klingons, it was a a recording was played of Captain Kirk saying in his own captain's log, his personal log uh, aboard the Enterprise, that he never trusted Klingons and he never will, and he can never forgive them for the death of his boy. And this um, this runs through his mind, uh, but he doesn't reveal that it it has, and he doesn't reveal who he believes uh, must have passed this on until he is uh, eventually um, uh, saved and returned to the Enterprise and he reveals who he believes was responsible and who he believes is a part of this conspiracy um, to prolong the, um, the war between the Klingon Empire and the Federation. But eventually... Uh, um, the Klingons uh, of Rurapente, um track Captain Kirk, Dr. McCoy and Martia but they end up killing uh, Martia and um, just before they um, were to reveal who was responsible and who wanted Captain Kirk and Dr. McCoy dead they are beamed up by Captain Spock um, uh, aboard the Enterprise and uh, Kirk's a bit uh, um, he, he's he's like oh couldn't you have waited a, a couple of seconds they were just about to tell us everything what was going on and um, Captain Spock says uh, um, no uh, Chekhov says uh, you want to go back and uh, Dr. McCoy says no it's cold um, yeah so there's, there's very, there are so many funny moments, but also very dramatic moments throughout the film. Very enjoyable film, this film is. Um, but yeah, and also, um, while they were on their way, and, and also waiting to try and retrieve, to attempt to retrieve Captain Kirk and Dr. McCoy, uh, Captain Spock and the crew of the Enterprise, uh, while engaging in their investigation of who was responsible, 
they find some gravity boots in the uh, one of the storage lockers of one of the crew members, uh, a crew member called Dax. Um, and Valeris is um, spearheading this investigation. Um, however, when they uh, confront crewman Dax, and uh, there's a funny moment where um, Chekhov, uh, who's played by Walter Koenig, um, uh, says uh, there is an old Russian epic called Cinderella, and and the phrase from it is if the shoe fits, wear it. And he drops the gravity boot onto the onto the deck of the of the of the ship. Uh, however, crewman Dax's feet, because he is an alien, he's a humanoid alien. His feet are so. Um, uh, um, different from human feet um, that he could not possibly wear the gravity boots or any boots whatsoever because they are so um, misshapen and not um, uh, not made for those kind of boots and of course this is obviously uh, the revelation that someone is trying to set up this crewman someone aboard the ship is responsible and they're trying to um trying to pin it on um this innocent crewman um however when captain kirk and dr mccoy are retrieved from uh the frozen wasteland of Ruripente, uh this is when um captain kirk reveals to captain spock who he believes uh is a part of the conspiracy uh, uh, and who on board the crew is a part of the, the conspiracy um, and this is when they uh, after this they find two crew members uh, murdered in uh, in a in a corridor uh, crewmen's uh, Burke and Samino I believe they're called um, and Scotty also finds um, some uh, spacesuits that had Klingon blood on them, uh, which was picked up from the Klingon battlecruiser after the assassination of um, Chancellor Gorkon. And when this all comes together, and when um, all the, um, the the theories are are aired, this is what leads Captain Kirk and Captain Spock. To attempt to try and draw out the um, the person responsible for the the conspiracy, so they uh, make make up a a false um, broadcast throughout the ship, saying that they need a court uh, reporter to um, go to sickbay to take a statement from um, crewman Burke and Samno, and this is what leads. Uh, the 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 true um, uh, um, identity, the true conspirator, to be uh, revealed, and it is in fact uh, Spock's protege, uh, Lieutenant Valeris, and uh, she goes there with a phaser in hand uh, in an attempt to try and kill Burke and Samno, but of course they've already been they're already dead. Um, and she is a part of this this vast conspiracy that goes to um, goes from the Romulan uh, ambassador to the the Klingon General Chang to Admiral Cartwright, uh, who's played by uh, Brock Peters um, at uh, Starfleet Command. And there is a vast conspiracy. This has all been so that the Federation and the Klingons will continue to be at war. Um, or that uh, the Federation will allow the Klingons to uh, basically become non-existent. Um, but initially, Valerius doesn't want to reveal the identity of her co-conspirators. Um... This leads a very agitated, very angry-looking Spock to initiate a forced 
mind meld in which she he would infiltrate Valerius's mind and learn of um, who is responsible for this conspiracy against the Chancellor. And it during this, which is a very disturbing scene, uh, it's kind of um, it's kind of like a being mind uh, raped. It's um, something that uh, you wouldn't probably be able to do today on film, but uh, maybe you could. But um, during this, uh, this is when uh, Spock uh, and Valerius reveal that uh, there is a cabal uh, of Federation Klingon and Romulans who are conspiring to sabotage the peace talks and that the uh, torpedoes uh, that struck Chancellor Gorkhan's battlecruiser came from a brand new Klingon uh, prototype bird of prey that had the unique ability to fire its weapons while it was uh, still cloaked while well, its cloaking device was engaged and it still appeared to be invisible so this is how the attack um, was made on the Klingon battlecruiser it wasn't the Enterprise at all uh, in fact it was Valerius who changed the, the data banks on the Enterprise to make it appear as if the Enterprise had launched the torpedoes um, she had been responsible for ordering uh, Crewman's Burke and Samno to go aboard the Klingon battlecruiser to assassinate the Chancellor. Um, so yeah, so it was all revealed. Um, but they don't know the Enterprise. Don't do not know uh, the location of the peace talks because it is um, believed that if the the conspirators want the peace talks to to uh, be such a disaster they want them to to not proceed then there will be another attempt on the chancellor's life um uh and so this is when the enterprise makes contact with the uss excelsior captained by uh hikaro sulu um who informs uh captain kirk and the crew of the enterprise that the um the peace talks are in are going to take place on the planet of Kitama um, and that uh, it, it, the, the, the peace talks are, are to begin um, that same day. This is what leads the Enterprise to rush towards the planet of Kitama to attempt to stop this assassination attempt um, and the USS Excelsior also attempts to make its way there but they are in opposite directions um and when they arrive at Kitama um they are um very soon engaged by General Chang who is commanding the cloaked um Klingon bird of prey that can um that can fire its weapons while still cloaked and as a result because um, the Enterprise can't detect where this Klingon bird of prey is, the the bird of prey inflicts heavy damage on um, on the Enterprise initially, and then after the USS Excelsior arrives, it also uh, engages heavy damage on the Excelsior also. Um, and then while they're trying to think of a way to try and track this uh, bird of prey, uh, Spock comes up with the uh, suggestion of gas. Um, you know, every uh, every vessel when they are um, operating at um, uh, impulse speeds would emit gas, and and then Uhura uh, suggests that. Maybe they could use all the instrumentation that they have for cataloging gaseous anomalies to modify um, uh, uh, a torpedo, which uh, Captain Spock and then McCoy, Doctor McCoy, um, engage in. Uh, they modify a photon torpedo with um, these uh, detectors aboard them that would be able to track the exhaust emissions of 
General Chang's uh, Klingon bird of prey. And they would be able to track them even while they were cloaked and seemingly invisible. Um, and while they are engaging in this modification, the, the battle cruiser is um, continuing, the, sorry, the bird of prey is continuing their attack on both the Enterprise and the Excelsior. And at the peace talks on the planet of Kitama, we see the Federation president uh, laying out the groundworks and the timetable for the peace talks. Uh, all the while, um, a uh, assassination attempt is being um, worked upon, um, and some of the conspirators that are a part of this conspiracy, including the uh, Romulan ambassador to the Federation, is at the peace talks, also Admiral Cartwright, um, and uh, they have... Um, Someone um, who a Klingon, uh, a, sorry, a human, dressed uh, as a as a Klingon, uh, one of the the Klingon diplomatic um, uh, members, um, and but in reality they uh, have a a sniper uh, rifle and they intend to assassinate uh, Chancellor Azad Burr and bring these peace talks to an end and um, continue the, the the conflict between the Federation and the Klingons because uh, Chancellor Gorkon was the um, the instigator in these peace talks and his daughter Azad Burr wants to continue the dream of her father but after that she is killed too then there will be no one left who wants to pursue peace um, however, the, the torpedo that is modified, um, uh, is successful in being able to track and lock on and submit, uh, heavy damage to, uh, General Chang's, uh, Klingon bird of prey, uh, and because, uh, it impacts so, uh, spectacularly, this is, this gives a target to the, the Enterprise and the Excelsior for them to, fire at and um, as a result they uh, after a volley of torpedoes they uh, destroy um, General Chang's bird of prey and the entire crew um, and then the, the crew from both vessels uh, then beam down to the peace conference uh, to try and thwart these the um, assassination attempt on um, uh, the Klingon Chancellor and also the, the Federation President's life. Um, and they are successful. They uh, stop Admiral Cartwright. Um, Captain Sulu stops Admiral Cartwright. Uh, Captain Kirk dives and pulls down the Federation President just before he was uh, assassinated. Um, and... This, is, this causes a great deal of uh, chaos and disturbance and this leads um, now Chancellor Azid Burr to ask what, what's wrong, what's the meaning of this? And um, this, is what, this is when Captain Kirk says it's about the future, Madam Chancellor. Um, it's about this was all, this whole conspiracy was about people from both sides who are afraid of change they don't want um they don't want things to change and people of a certain generation um find it hard to change their ways to change their opinions and their attitudes especially when they've been on two opposite sides of a war for so long and this is something that uh kirk admits to captain spock uh before they arrive at uh Kitima. He says that um, he was uh, he had this um, opinion about Klingons, and it it never really occurred to him to believe that there could be peace between the two because they've been adversaries for so long. Um, but uh, at the peace conference after the thwarted assassination attempt. Uh, Azid Burr, uh, Chancellor Azid Burr, 
um, confirms that Captain Kirk has um, has renewed uh, her father's faith in peace. And um, Captain Kirk says that uh, or she has re um, rejuvenated um, the memory of his son. Um, and then this leads to the, the conference uh, ending um, on a, a uh, an optimistic, hopeful note in which everybody um, claps and, and applauds the crew of the Enterprise and also Hikaru Sulu um, and of course the the crew and the, the cast of Star Trek the original series basically um, and then following this we see the Enterprise and uh, the Excelsior in orbit and Captain Sulu bids a farewell to Captain Kirk and uh, says that uh, it was great um, to fight alongside Captain Kirk one last time. And then um, the Enterprise receives an order by Starfleet Command um, that they should re uh, return to Earth immediately to be decommissioned. Um, and of course this makes them a bit downbeat about the, the prospect, especially after such an exciting last mission together um, and this is what leads um, Kirk to decide to take his ship take the Enterprise on one last cruise um, after uh, Chekhov uh, asks him uh, for a heading and he says um, second star to the right and straight on till morning. And this is a quote of uh, J.M. Barry from um, his wonderful um, Peter Pan um, books. I don't know if it's Peter Pan and Wendy or. Uh, but it's from um, J.M. It's a quote by J.M. Barry. Um, Second start of the right and straight on till morning. Um, and just before the the closing credits start to roll we hear Captain Kirk give his last um, captain's log entry um, in which he pays tribute to the crew um, uh, and to the adventures that the, 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 the ship has been on exploring strange new worlds and new civilizations and saying that this ship the name of this ship and its future will will now carry on uh, with new crew um, and a new generation of uh, of people, and this of course alludes to the next generation um, uh, and also the 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 series and the, the films that would come after this film, um, and then. As the just before the, the the closing credits roll, we see the 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 cast, the main cast of the film, and also the main cast of Star Trek: The Original Series sign off, literally sign off their signatures and their autographs um, onto the screen, um, and then the the closing credits roll, and that is the end of the film, uh, and the end of an incredible film and a great tribute to the the incredible cast of the Star Trek, the original Star Trek crew from the original series, Star Trek the original series that spanned from 1966 to 1969 and also the, the films as well uh, beginning in, with Star Trek the motion picture and ending with um, Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country, and uh, is also a fitting, um, a fitting way, fitting tribute uh, in time for Star Trek's twenty-fifth anniversary, as it was um, then in nineteen ninety-one. But since it has continued, um, and it has, um, 
been it has enjoyed and it has celebrated its 50th since then um and uh the the legacy of star trek and the stories of the original crew will continue for many generations to come but uh yeah so i think i'm gonna leave it there for now uh i just want to say thank you for listening uh hope you like what you heard and um live long and prosper If you like what you heard in uh, this episode of uh, the Mark Hastings Experience, um, and if you want to check out some more of my poetry, um, then you uh, you can head over to markthepoet.me, uh, which is my website, and you'll find uh, lots of the poems that I've written over the years. Um, if you want to uh, check out some of my poetry uh, in uh, a book form, and go to Amazon and you'll find um, all 10 of my books that I've had published Um, they're all books of poetry um, uh, books of stories uh, books of uh, memories and uh, experiences Um, and there'll be more to come and uh, if you would love to um, contribute uh, to uh, to the podcast then you can do so by heading over to patreon and searching for mark the poet and uh your uh, your support would be greatly appreciated um but uh, as i was saying i hope you liked what you heard in this uh, episode um and i'll talk to you again soon